This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. You did I'm it. Aaron. Yes. I did it! I did it, guys. What you what you don't know <laughs> is that on a previous episode, I completely screwed up and I introduced the wrong podcast. It makes you feel any better? I've done that several times. When I used to co-host oh, five, LQ. Five, 5 LQ yeah. and then it would occasionally do the Happy Rant intro, yeah. I would always get the two mixed up. Right. You'd, you'd go, welcome to Would it be LQ. like on the same day you were recording or... Yeah, like or just, just randomly, like, or just like you just get into like the vocal yeah. rhythm of like, "Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp." I mean, "Hi, this is the Five Leadership Questions podcast," or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's right, and then you just confusing. take a breath and yep. you start again. So, um, but so you did yeah. it this time. I you did. It. It right. I did it the first time, guys. This is impressive for me. I'm so happy about that. It is once again. We are recording on a Monday. I'm so not used to that. I'm feeling almost fresh, like in terms of my mental capacity. Um, <laughs> I thought you were talking about in terms of like. I thought you were talking about other things. That's right. I was <laughs> back to the gold bond conversation right. we were having previously. All right. All right. It's, all, it's uh, almost fresh. On that, yeah, I, mean, I always feel fine there. It's getting but, hotter um, in Nashville. That's great. <laughs> that's all that's I'm great. saying. It's warming yeah. up. The studio is 93 degrees. It's sweltering oh, you know in here. It's actually not bad today. There is so much hot air being blown right now. That's what. Yeah, that's right. No, no visible pit stains. I'm good. Not yet. Not yet. All right. But uh, as always, trick. as always, um, yes. you know, we have uh, Dave and Barnabas with me. Guys, we have been having some fun this afternoon. Can I, can I ask a quick question? Yes, sir. So this is going off the rails a little bit. I think, Aaron, you might have responded to a tweet that I, I retweeted. Somebody, yes. somebody, oh, it was Church Curmudgeon. Yes. Was, said something about, it was like a podcast about... 30 something. A podcast yes. against 30 some, three 30 something white guys hosting a podcast. And I was like, well, yeah. I am saved on my podcast by the 40 somethings. So, Dave, That's right. 40 Dave. I was helping. 40 I helped. Dave I helped. is a hero. That's that it. Because That's you it. saved us. And, Aaron, you're, you're doggone close, aren't you? Uh, yeah, my next birthday. I, uh, I joined up. Dave in the 40 Give club. us an approximation mm-hmm. of when your next birthday is so we don't, I mean, you don't I need to share your action. I can give you the date. Okay, I didn't know if you were like an anti sharing <laughs> birthday. No, <laughs> August 21st. Okay, so we are. We're wow. six-ish into months away. No, we're not on. even. Like not four, even. Four-ish yeah. months away. Three yeah. and a half, four From months. two 40-year-olds into 30-something. That's so, right. That's right. All right. Hmm. So. Hmm. Good. Two, thank, thank you for saving us in two the guys, meantime, Two guys yeah, and a 30-something. Good that's for right. something around <laughs> here. Yeah. Two old men, <laughs> wise sages. <laughs> Is cranky that what we co- are? One cranky, cranky 30-something. Yeah, somebody said after our most recent episode at the time of this recording of the Happy Rant that I they're like, Barnabas turned into an old man on the air. I'm like... You must be a new listener. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel like I've been an old man since I was 14, so. I was going to go eight based on that picture. Yeah. Well, Aww. that was an aspiring old man in That's third true. grade. That's true. That's true. Now, I'm, now yeah. I'm just an old, old man. That's all right. That's all right. An old, so. older man. But, you know, guys, I'm, I'm excited because I am I'm, I'm entering into a new, a new creative phase in life right now. 
Um, and I am interpretive uh, dance. Yes, of course, of course that. That's that's just a given. That's my okay. hobby. Um, Sorry, I thought <laughs> it was okay. New. I just discovered it. That's okay. Um, yeah, that's why I don't do videos uh, for preaching is because I don't know what to do with my hands. It's a little, uh, it's a little Ricky Bobby. It's <laughs> a So, um, but what, uh, what, which I guess would play well in the South since I live here now, right? So, absolutely. Should I go a little bit yeah. further south into Alabama and uh, preach There's, for the? That's never the right answer. No. No, okay. going south to Alabama. Okay. All right. So, so now you know how. So you all know how we feel about going to Alabama in June. But uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. The Rocket Museum is cool in Houston, though. It is. Cool. Or in uh, Huntsville. Uh, that's it Texas. is cool. Yes, thank you. No. <laughs> I'm real good at geography, or, guys. Or, or uh, the kids were, were watching the original <laughs> Supermans right now, <laughs> and we got to Superman two. <laughs> yeah. They refer to Planet Houston. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see this planet Houston. <laughs> okay. So funny. Oh golly! All right. Houston, Do we need to quit this episode and start again? I think yes. we're fine. Um, so, but but legitimately, I'm I'm actually getting into. I'm I'm pretty excited because I am um, in the starting phases of proposing to propose one or two new books. Who are you proposing the so, proposals to? Well, I, I have to start. With one particular publisher, have to have why, to. Why do you look at me? <laughs> oh wow, um, that's right. Yeah, because uh, right. with B- I'll have to look at this proposal. <laughs> yes, that's you will. Bad guy's not yeah. in the room, Dave. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so firmly no. tongue in cheek. Yes, so, I'm actually I'm I'm actually quite quite excited because I I've written a couple of things um, written a couple of things for B&H specifically for B&H kids. Yes, recently they're awesome. Yeah, and Ooh, had a lot of fun doing it. Thank you. Thank Epic you is awesome. My, yeah. my youngest daughter. I've That's had a to, funny sentence. Epic, Epic is awesome. Epic, Epic, <laughs> and the name great? of the book is Epic. 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 Yep. It you is sound, fantastic. You sound like a 17-year-old girl. I do. Epic is awesome. Totally. Yeah, that's right. Totally. <laughs> I had to rip it out of her hands because she needed to go to bed. Yep. Yeah, yes. that's right. That's right. Yes. So, so um, but I wanted to – I, w- I want to see if I can – I want to put something put something forward to you guys and see what you think. And so in thinking propose about this proposal, I, I want go. to propose this proposal. This is different than a book baby, right? This is much different than a book baby. You propose. Yeah, you propose. You, and then I'm you. Proposing. Get, yeah, <laughs> and then, then what happens in between then you, there? Then you sign a lifelong binding agreement. <laughs> yes. For the life of the project. That's right. It's sort of the, um, think marriage license, book contract. There's a okay. parallel. There will be some. And then later there's a gestation period. There's a dating. And there's then there's a book baby in between. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly wanted to watch yeah. Dave's face when I said just Dave's so, but, but really, what I'm looking forward to <laughs> is, is I'm looking forward to, right. <laughs> to piloting our new Wait, our no new mix, idea. No, Whoa. Whoa. no, 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 no. That's not what we call it. That's definitely not what we call it. Stop, 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 stop. No, the thing I'm most looking forward to is using the new approach to contract signing, contra- publishing okay. announcements that we've talked about on the show with uh, with Jeff Metters a while back when yes. we were in the frightening I don't remember cold. that one. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember what we said. That's okay. Can you um, recap it? Yes, I can. Um, so we're going to take a page out of sports contract oh, signing. Yeah. We're going to set up a table with a banner, banner behind us. You have two guys in like awkward fitting blazers on Absolutely. either side of you. Dave and I well, can do awkward. Because we work for the Southern Baptist, yeah. so there's nothing but that's, guys that's in awkward right. fitting blazers. 
lasers? Just swing. All As of Ted Clark would say, swing a dead cat and you hit a guy with an awkward That's fitting right. Blazer. That's right. Um, Dave, you can can we swing your cat? Even I can do that. Can we you can swing a cat that's already been run over. I think, that's fine. I think your daughter's going to be really mad about this. Question. Can we swing yeah. your cat? She, yeah. <laughs> Madeline's going to be mad at us again. Keep isn't going. She? She's not listening. All Keep right, going. She's not listening. All right, so, Actually, she may. In the car, like going to school, they're like, <laughs> I discovered, Dad, I want to listen to it. I'm like, I'm not sure if this was appropriate, girls. I discovered that my older daughter listens to some of my podcasts now. Which, oh, really? Oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah. She's like, Dad, you guys don't make any sense. Like, I'm like, which okay. one is she talking about? Happy Rant. Okay, good. I don't think she knows about this one yet. Okay. So maybe this one. She makes might more enjoy sense. this one more because she likes books. There you go. This one might actually make more sense. So if yeah. we get, uh, if we bring in sense? my daughter, by the way, if we bring in my daughter, eventually we have to bring in one of yours too. So I don't think either of mine would want to be on. Oh, okay. There we go. I, I always, I always bring your daughter to work day. That's yeah, right. Madeline? That's right. Come so, on in. This summer, I'll probably be doing that some because I don't have school to send them to. So. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well. There you go. We can even bring Abigail in that same day, and then they can they can talk. They can take so, over. That's oh, right. No. That's right. <laughs> Lock uh, us out of the room. We'll learn about dystopian <laughs> fantasy and uh, and whatnot, whatever it is that my daughter likes right now. But uh, but yeah. So I thought because I am working on proposals, that maybe we would talk about what is it what is it like to read a proposal, and what what kind of advice can maybe we offer collectively as um, guys who have written. Pro- proposals, guys who have evaluated proposals as well, keeping in mind that we can only speak to a um, very limited subset, which is the Christian living and academic space. But we can still potentially offer some helpful advice. Well, I think you guys can, listeners, you can pick up the point that, yes, I review proposals. I'm not the decision maker on them, but uh, what we do on our team as we get together in a room, the editors lead the process when they receive a book proposal like what we're referring to, and the team weighs in, the ultimate decision is made by publisher, but we go from there. So it's kind of simple, but also this is, you know, but it's a, it's a process that certainly is gonna have some emotion to it, some perspective from different people in the room on what they see the value of it being. Um, but it's a fun Aaron, process. that means you got to know who to bribe. Yeah, pretty mm. much. That's yeah. what Dave's getting at. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. All right, yeah. so Dave's giving me that list after we rec- finish this episode. Yeah, pretty well, here's simple. the thing. Dave. Yeah. Dave's happy to be a middleman. You can distribute all bribes through him. He just takes a cut. I, I well, it's a rake. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my a, own <laughs> rake. You know, finder's fee. <laughs> and it could be all of it, by the way. It could be. It's just right. I retain whatever gift you want to give said and person. Like, oh, sorry. And they, they're, like, they, and, they're not. No, gonna I'm like. like uh, then, then he turns against away. you. He's like. He's no. like. Aaron didn't have anything for you. I don't know he what didn't. this is about. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's right, like what's in runaway jury. I can sway the jury. Yeah, exactly. I just referenced. A John Grisham story. Yeah, but guess what? <laughs> that was back when he wrote good stories. That's right. It was 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the year 2000 hit, and he f- just know. jumped the rails. Actually, no, no, not, we'll just say 9-11 was the cutoff point. It just Fair Everything enough. changed for the world and John and Grisham's Grisham. books. <laughs> and he quit trying. <laughs> Did he need to try anymore at that point? I bet point? he doesn't need to send in book proposals. He's he just like, hey, guys, not. I wrote the same story again. And he's They're like, like okay. we'll sell it. We'll take it. Different Andy, unknown go, town in uh, Mississippi. Yeah. Yep, that's right. That's right. Oh, Clinton, Clanton, Clinton. So, so there's the secret. Clansman. Yeah. Be John bribe. Grisham 
And <clears throat> yep, that's the secret yep. to book proposals. That's right. Be John Grisham. Be John right. Grisham. Um, yep. No, you know, I, I will just say this. There are a lot of different proposals, some that are very well designed. A graphic mm-hmm. designer puts something together. There are ones where an agent had a heavy hand in editing it. There are ones you can tell the author wrote it. Um, not one of them has more value over the other. I will say right. that. Right? Some people feel like they have to have like this epic 75-page proposal. But remember, you're writing a book later after this is done. Sure. So you don't need to write the whole book. You, 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 in, in essence, you just got to show me what you got and right. be quick. That's why like, there's some proposals that are like three pages long that are enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you, if you've got a good enough idea and you identify – what it is clearly, mm-hmm. how long it's going to be, who it's for, mm-hmm. what are the levels of marketing that you bring to the table. Basically, it's it's like, what's the best package you've got to right. convince me that, or our team, that this is worthy of consideration? Not a yeah. yes yet, but just No, but worth, like, worth at least taking a look at. Right, because, there's, yeah. because it also, it's kind of like a resume. Yeah. There's a lot of scanning going on at first. You're saying like, okay, I'm kind of looking for some key things. Like remember any editor out there, any publisher gets a ton of proposals. I mean, there are so many agents out there. It's ridiculous. And, and they're just trying to close deals and I get it. Um, I get it. The volume is really important for them, but also, you know, that's also when people say, do I need an agent? I say, well, I mean, an agent is very helpful because they help filter who's yes. the right publisher for you. They're very A good helpful. agent is helpful. A bad agent is yes, a major right. detriment. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, I would love to have a good agent. I don't even have a bad agent. You so, have no agent right now. I have no agent. Okay. I'm unrepresented. I'm a free agent. So this I, gets uh, very complicated. Are you restricted from doing that? Okay. All right. No. I didn't know. No, I didn't know. Agents. Agents. Not allowed to have agents? No, I just no, haven't been signed with anybody. Goes, yeah. Okay. So... Um, I did not work with an agent on my first two books, yeah. and I did on my third and then the yeah. one that is in the works yeah. now. And yeah. I will say it was a great learning experience to mm-hmm. not work with one, and it taught me very much why I would like to work with one. Sure. And so I, the guy I work with now is awesome for all the reasons you he's just great. said, Dave, because it's much more – he's very – thoughtful and adept at putting the book in front of the right publishers, not just all the publishers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. declining, you know, kind of weighing in on declining an offer on that that publisher is not the best for this kind of book. They don't position it well, whatever. Yeah. So that if you get in, if you have a relationship with an agent like that, it's really helpful yeah. in the proposal process. Sure. Right. And a side note, that agent is also very helpful throughout the entire process, yeah. which is I'm not going to go into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of agents kind of disappear after the deal is done. Let's put it that well, sure, because the deal is done, so their job is done right. from their I, perspective. I appreciate right? the long-term so, perspective yeah. that he has, thinking like, you know, what? we want to do more of these. We want all this to be yeah, successful. Right. We can't do more unless we need this one to have this one be successful. So, yeah, yeah it, absolutely. But I mean, even without an agent, any sort of if you have a a sort of relationship connection to the publisher it makes mm-hmm. a big difference. So yeah. you know somebody who works there, that's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Although that's a tenuous one because like if you know somebody who works in marketing as I do and you're like, hey, I have a proposal, like I'm just going to refer you to the other person anyway yeah. because I – I, that's not my job. And it would yeah. be, there's a level of sort of professional inappropriateness for me to weigh in on that in terms of like they know the publishing schedule. They know what's in the works already. They know yeah. what they're looking for. And so if I come in and go, hey, my friend has a book, it's it's pseudo-nepotism. Yeah. So, but, but if it's an outside person, so 
another published author, an agent, a yeah. somebody like that who said, hey, mm-hmm. you might not know who this person is, but this is worth looking at. Just it's a little bit like getting a recommendation for a job. You know, yeah. so if you're yeah. if you're applying to yes. a job, if you know somebody who's like, yeah. hey, you should just take a look at this. And like, that's all they say. That's enough. Because the biggest, the hardest part, I think, about proposing a book is getting noticed. Yes. It's just getting your proposal on the top of the stack. And so that recommendation that's like, hey, you should take a look at this, is it moves it to the top, it raises awareness, and then you're you're still running, you're functioning on your own merits, but but at least you have a, a shot now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there's a couple of things that, uh, that you guys have said there. There's one that I want to hone in on real quick. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. You did I'm it. Aaron. Yes. I did it! I did it, guys. What you what you don't know <laughs> is that on a previous episode, I completely screwed up and I introduced the wrong podcast. It makes you feel any better? I've done that several times. When I used to co-host oh, five, LQ. Five, 5 LQ yeah. and then it would occasionally do the Happy Rant intro, yeah. I would always get the two mixed up. Right. You'd, you'd go, welcome would to 5 LQ. Would it be like on the same day you were recording or... Yeah, like or just, just randomly, like, or just like you just get into like a vocal yeah. rhythm of like, "Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp." I mean, "Hi, this is the Five Leadership Questions podcast," or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's right, and then you just confusing. take a breath and yep. you start again. So, um, but so you yeah. did it this time. I you did. It. It right. I did it the first time, guys. This is impressive for me. I'm so happy about that. It is once again. We are recording on a Monday. I'm so not used to that. I'm I feeling know. almost fresh, like in terms of my mental capacity. Um, <laughs> I thought you were talking about in terms of like. I thought you were talking about other things. That's right. I was <laughs> back to the gold bond conversation <laughs> right. we were having previously. All right. All right. It's, all, it's uh, almost fresh. On that, yeah, I, mean, I always feel fine there. It's getting but, hotter uh, in Nashville. That's great. <laughs> that's all that's I'm great. saying. It's warming okay. up. The studio is 93 degrees. It's sweltering you know in here. It's actually not bad today. There is so much hot air being blown right now. That's what. Yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> no visible pit stains. I'm good. Not yet. Not yet. All right. But uh, as always, tricks. as always, um, yes. you know, we have uh, Dave and Barnabas with me. Guys, we have been having some fun this afternoon. Can I, can I ask a quick question? Yes, sir. So this is going off the rails a little bit. I think, Aaron, you might have responded to a tweet that I, I retweeted. Somebody, yes. somebody, oh, it was Church Curmudgeon. Yes. Was, said something about, it was like a podcast about... 30 something. A podcast yes. against 30 some, three 30 something white guys hosting a podcast. And I was like, well, yeah. I am saved on my podcast by the 40 somethings. So, Dave, That's right. 40 Dave. I was helping. I 40 helped. Dave I is helped. a hero. That's it. Because is. you saved us. And, Aaron, you're, you're doggone close, aren't you? Uh, yeah, my next birthday. I, uh, I joined up. Dave in the 40 Give club. us an approximation mm-hmm. of when your next birthday is so we don't. I mean, you don't I have to share your action. I can give you the date. Okay, I didn't know if you were like an anti sharing <laughs> birthday. No, <laughs> August 21st. Okay, so we are. We're wow. six-ish in months the summer. No, we're not on. even. Like not even. Four-ish yeah. months away. Three yeah. and a half, four from months. two forty-year-olds and a thirty-something. That's so, right. That's right. All right. Hmm. So, hmm. Good. Two, thank, thank you for saving us. In two the guys, meantime, Dave. two yeah, guys, and a thirty-something. Good for right. something around. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Two old men, <laughs> wise sages. <laughs> we, 
Is that cranky what we are? Cranky one, one cranky 30-something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody Just said after our twins. most recent episode at the time of this recording of the Happy Rant that I, they're like, Barnabas turned into an old man on the air. I'm like, you must be a new listener. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel like I've been an old man since I was 14, so. I was going to go eight based on that picture. Yeah. Well, Aww. that was an aspiring old man in That's third true. grade. That's true. That's true. Now I'm, now yeah. I'm just an old, old man. That's all right. That's all right. An old, so. old man. But you know, guys, I'm I'm excited because I am, I'm I'm entering into a new a new creative phase in life right now, um, and I am interpretive uh, dance. Yes, of course, of course that that's that's just a given. That's my okay. hobby. Um, Sorry, I thought <laughs> it was okay. New. I just discovered it. That's okay. Um, yeah, that's why I don't do videos uh, for preaching is because I don't know what to do with my hands. It's a little, uh, it's a <laughs> little Ricky Bobby. It's <laughs> a So, um, but what, uh, what, which I guess would play well in the South since I live here now, right? So, absolutely. Should I go a little bit yeah. further south into Alabama and uh, preach There's, for the? That's never the right answer. No. No. Okay. Going south to Alabama. Okay. All right. So, so now you know how. So you all know how we feel about going to Alabama in June. But uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. The Rocket Museum is cool in Houston, though. It is. Cool. Or in uh, Huntsville. That, it Texas. is cool. Yes. Thank you. No. <laughs> I'm real good at geography, or, guys. Or uh, the kids were, were watching the original <laughs> Supermans right now, and we got to Superman two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they refer to Planet Houston. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see this Planet Houston. It's okay. So funny. <laughs> oh golly! All right. Houston, Do we need to quit this episode and start again? I think yes. we're fine. Um, so, but but legitimately, I'm I'm actually getting into. I'm I'm pretty excited because I am um, in the starting phases of proposing to propose one or two new books. Who are you proposing the so, proposals to? Well, I, I have to start with one particular publisher. Have to. Have why, to. why do you look at me? <laughs> Oh wow, um, that's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. With because I'll have to look at this proposal. <laughs> yes, you will. So bad guy is not yeah. in the room, Dave. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, firmly <laughs> so, no. tongue in cheek. Yes, so, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually quite, quite excited because I, I've written a couple of things, um, written a couple of things for B and H specifically for B and H kids. Yes, recently they're awesome. Yeah, and Ooh, had a lot of fun doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Epic is awesome. My my youngest daughter. I've had a funny sentence. Epic Epic is awesome. (laughs) The name of the book is Epic. Epic. It is fantastic. You sound like a seventeen-year-old girl. I do. Epic is awesome. Yeah, that's right. Totally. (laughs) I had to rip it out of her hands because she needed to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, so, um, but I wanted to. I want to see if I can. I want to put something. Put something forward to you guys and see what you think. And so in thinking propose about Propose this I, proposal. I Let's want go. to propose this proposal. This is different than a book baby, right? This is much different than a book baby. You propose. Yeah, you propose you, and then I'm you, proposing. Get, yeah, <laughs> and then, then what happens in between then you, there? Then you sign a lifelong binding agreement. <laughs> yes. For the life of the project. That's right. It's sort of the, um, think marriage license, book contract. Marriage, there's a okay. parallel. There will be some. And then later there's a gestation period. There's a dating. And there's then there's a book baby. In between. <laughs> I mainly wanted to watch yeah. Dave's face when I said just Dave's so, but, but really, what I'm looking forward to <laughs> is, is I'm looking forward to, right. to piloting our new 
Wait, our no new mixed, idea. No mixed Whoa. metaphors. Whoa. No, 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 no. That's not what we call it. That's definitely not what we call it. Stop, 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 stop. No, the thing I'm most looking forward to is using the new approach to contract signing, contra- publishing okay. announcements that we've talked about on the show with uh, with Jeff Metters a while back when yes. we were in the frightening I don't remember cold. that one. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember what we said. That's okay. Can you um, recap it? Yes, I can. Um, so we're going to take a page out of sports contract oh, signing. Yeah. We're going to set up a table with a banner, banner behind us. You have two guys in like awkward fitting blazers on Absolutely. either side of you. Dave and I well, can do awkward. Because we work for the Southern Baptist, yeah. so there's nothing but guys That's in awkward right. fitting blazers. <laughs> Just swing. All As Ted Clark would say, swing a dead cat and you hit a guy with an awkward That's fitting right. Blazer. That's right. Um, Dave, you can can we swing <laughs> your cat? Even I can do that. Can, we <laughs> you can swing a cat that's already been run over. I think, that's fine. I think about your that? daughter's going to be really mad about this. Question. Can we yeah. swing your cat? She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline's going to be mad at us again. Keep going. She? She's not listening. Keep right, going. She's not listening. All right, so Actually, she may. In the car, like going to school, they're like, I don't want to listen to it. I'm like, I'm not sure if this was appropriate, I discovered that my older daughter listens to some of my podcasts now. Really? Oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah. She's like, Dad, you guys don't make any sense. Like, I'm like, which okay. one is she talking about? Happy Rant. Okay, good. I don't think she knows about this one yet. Okay. So maybe this one. She makes might more enjoy sense. this one more because she likes books. There you go. This one might actually make more sense. So if yeah. we get, uh, if we bring in sense? my daughter, by the way, if we bring in my daughter, eventually we have to bring in one of yours too. So I don't think either of mine would want to be on. Oh, okay. There we go. I, I always, yeah. always bring your daughter to work day. That's yeah, right. Like, That's right. Come so, on in. This summer, I'll probably be doing that some because I don't have school to send them to. So. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well. There you go. We can even bring Abigail in that same day, and then they can they can talk. They can take so, over. That's oh, right. No. That's right. <laughs> Lock uh, us out of the room. We'll learn about dystopian <laughs> fantasy and uh, and whatnot, whatever it is that there my daughter go. likes right now. But uh, but yeah. So I thought because I am working on proposals, that maybe we would talk about what is it what is it like to read a proposal, and what what kind of advice can maybe we offer collectively as um, guys who have written. Pro- proposals, guys who have evaluated proposals as well, keeping in mind that we can only speak to a um, very limited subset, which is the Christian living and academic space. But we can still potentially offer some helpful advice. Well, I think you guys can, listeners, you can pick up the point that, yes, I review proposals. I'm not the decision maker on them, but uh, what we do on our team as we get together in a room, the editors lead the process when they receive a book proposal like what we're referring to, and the team weighs in, the ultimate decision is made by publisher, but we go from there. So it's kind of simple, but also this is, you know, but it's a, it's a process that certainly is gonna have some emotion to it, some perspective from different people in the room on what they see the value of it being. Um, but it's a fun Aaron, process. that means you got to know who to bribe. Yeah, pretty mm. much. That's yeah. what Dave's getting at. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. All right, yeah. so Dave's giving me that list after we rec- finish this episode. Yeah, pretty well, simple. here's the thing. Dave, yeah. Dave's happy to be a middleman. You can distribute all bribes through him. He just takes a cut. I, I, well, it's a rake. <laughs> it's a <laughs> rake. You know. Finder's fee. <laughs> and it could be all of it, by the way. It could be it's just right. I retain whatever gift you want to give said and person. It's like, oh, sorry. And they, they're, like, they, they're not no, going like, like this. Uh, then he turns against away. you. He's like, he's no. like, Aaron didn't have anything for you. I don't know he what didn't. this is about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's right, like, what's in runaway jury? I can sway the jury. Yeah, exactly. I just referenced... 
A John Grisham story. Yeah, but guess what? <laughs> that was back when he wrote good stories. That's right. It was 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the year 2000 hit, and he f- just know. jumped the rails. Actually, no, no, not we'll just say 9-11 was the cutoff point. It just Fair everything enough. changed for the world and John and Grisham's John books. <laughs> and he quit trying. <laughs> Did he need to try anymore at that point? I bet point? he doesn't need to send in book proposals. He's he just like, hey, guys, not. I wrote the same story again. He's They're like, like okay. we'll sell it. We'll take it. Different unknown go, town in uh, Mississippi. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, Clinton, Clanton, Clanton. So there's the so there's the secret. Clansman. Yeah. Be John broad. Grisham. And yep, that's the secret yeah. to book proposals. That's right. Be John Grisham. Be John right. Grisham. Um, yep. No, you know, I, I'll just say this: there are a lot of different proposals. Some that are very well designed. A graphic mm-hmm. designer puts something together. They're are ones where an agent had a heavy hand in editing it. There are ones you can tell the author wrote it. Um, not one of them has more value over the other. I will say right. that. Right? Some people feel like they have to have like this epic 75-page proposal. But remember, you're writing a book later after this is done. Sure. So you don't need to write the whole book. You, 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 in, in essence, you just got to show me what you got and right. be quick. That's why like there's some proposals that are like three pages long that are enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you, if you've got a good enough idea and you identify what it is clearly, mm-hmm. how long it's going to be, who it's for, mm-hmm. what are the levels of marketing that you bring to the table, basically it's it's like what's the best package you've got to right. convince me that or our team that this is worthy of consideration. Not a yeah. yes yet, but just No, but worth, like, worth at least taking a look at. Right, because, there's, yeah. because it also, it's kind of like a resume. Yeah. There's a lot of scanning going on at first. You're saying like, okay, I'm kind of looking for some key things. Like remember any editor out there, any publisher gets a ton of proposals. I mean, there are so many agents out there. It's ridiculous. And, and they're just trying to close deals and I get it. Um, I get it. The volume is really important for them, but also, you know, that's also when people say, do I need an agent? I say, well, I mean, an agent is very helpful because they help filter who's yes. the right publisher for you. They're very A good helpful. agent is helpful. A bad agent is yes, a major right. detriment. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, I would love to have a good agent. I don't even have a bad agent. You so, have no agent right now. I have no agent. Okay. I'm unrepresented. I'm a free agent. So this I, gets very complicated. Are you restricted from doing that? Okay. All right. No. I didn't know. No, I didn't not know you allowed to have agents? No, I just no, haven't been signed with anybody. As, yeah. Okay. So... Um, I did not work with an agent on my first two books, yeah. and I did on my third and then the yeah. one that is in the works yeah. now. And yeah. I will say it was a great learning experience to mm-hmm. not work with one, and it taught me very much why I would like to work with one. Sure. And so I, the guy I work with now is awesome for all the reasons you he's just great. said, Dave, because it's much more – he's very – thoughtful and adept at putting the book in front of the right publishers, not just all the publishers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. declining, you know, kind of weighing in on declining an offer on that that publisher is not the best for this kind of book. They don't position it well, whatever. Yeah. So that if you get in, if you have a relationship with an agent like that, it's really helpful yeah. in the proposal process. Sure. Right. And a side note, that agent is also very helpful throughout the entire process, yes. which is I'm not going to go into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of agents kind of disappear after the deal is done. Let's put it that well, sure, because the deal is done, so their job is done. Right. from their I, perspective, I appreciate right? the long-term so, perspective yeah. that he has, thinking like, you know, what we want to do more of these. We want all of this to yeah, be successful. Right. We can't do more unless we need this one to have this one be successful. So, yeah, yeah it, absolutely. But I mean, even without an agent, any sort of if you have a 
mm-hmm. a sort of relationship connection to the publisher mm-hmm. makes a big difference. So yeah. you know somebody who works there, that's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Although that's a tenuous one because like if you know somebody who works in marketing as I do and you're like, hey, I have a proposal, like I'm just going to refer you to the other person anyway yeah. because I – I, that's not my job. And it would yeah. be, there's a level of sort of professional inappropriateness for me to weigh in on that in terms of like, they know the publishing schedule, they know what's in the works already, they know yeah. what they're looking for. And so if I come in and go, hey, my friend has a book, it's it's pseudo nepotism. Yeah. So, but, but if it's an outside person, so another published author, an agent, a yeah. somebody like that who said, hey, mm-hmm. you might not know who this person is, but this is worth looking at. Just, it's a little bit like getting a recommendation for a job. You know, yeah. so if you're, yeah. if you're applying to yes. a job, if you know somebody who's like, yeah. hey, you should just take a look at this. And like, that's all they say, that's enough. Because the biggest, the hardest part I think about proposing a book is getting noticed. Yes. It's just getting your proposal on the top of the stack. And so that recommendation that's like, hey, you should take a look at this is it moves it to the top, it raises awareness. And then you're you're still running, you're functioning on your own merits, but but at least you have a, a shot now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there's a couple of things that uh, that you guys have said there. There's one that I want to hone in on real quick. It's who are you writing to? Um, Dave, you mentioned that in specific. And that's something that... Um, even just talking with um, with people about uh, even things like blogging, um, that I see a lot of people not quite grasping the importance of that. You actually need to know your have, to have in an audience. I have thoughts about this. Well, I want to hear Dave's thoughts first. Okay. Because Dave, on, on what kind of audience it takes? Just is that the, the question. The, the importance of knowing an audience. Right. Well, there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, knowing an audience. Sorry. Yeah, versus knowing. Knowing or lack of understanding of your own audience actually is probably the biggest issue right now. It's people who think they have an audience, but in reality, they really don't. Right. Because they don't understand how social media metrics work. And no, also, so, that doesn't yeah. mean. So let me. Yeah. yeah are, you de- are you defining audience as platform, no. like reach? Or are you defining no, no, audience no, 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 as like no, no, no. target for the I was putting no, in two, two places. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, the, the person, the end reader or readers whom right. you want to go after, that that's kind of one thing right there. And sometimes they write a proposal that doesn't match up to the audience they may actually already talk to on a daily basis through right. social media, through email, through whatever other medium. And that's a disconnect right there, too. Then it's just like, okay, this is a little passion thing on the side. Well, then that changes it completely. But if you're trying to talk directly to the audience you already have and you want to write a book to them mm-hmm. and it connects, then great. That's awesome. That is going to be the most interesting to a publisher because it connects all that matters. Right. Um, but you've got to know, like early on, boy, you're establishing a lane whether you realize it or not. You know, if you're trying to build an audience, you got to know if you've got some crazy book you want to write that goes way outside of it about something only you are fascinated with and good luck man it's not gonna i'm not saying it's not gonna work it just means so so i should put a kibosh on on my gospel centered tea time (laughs) book by tea time you mean golf or drinking tea gospel centered star trek gospel (laughs) centered whatever if you did a gospel centered golf book i bet you could get it published Mm, (laughs) the drinking tea the right publisher yeah if they play golf Mm. and they love it all right there we go you can fool there we go i mean shoot there's like a golfer's bible i'm sure you can get a gospel (laughs) you know what i'm pretty sure there is out there yeah there's like 90 percent sure yeah yeah honestly name a hobby there's a bible for it yeah that's a whole different podcast there's a there's a star trek bible isn't there Probably. So uh, <laughs> is there? I don't know. Right, that gets really <laughs> weird. <laughs> I said hobby, not fetish. Okay. Mm. 
One man's wow. hobby is another man's fetish. Uh, wow. Fair enough. Wow. All right. All right. So my, my thoughts on audience. All right. As a writer, as yes. a publisher, I agree with what Dave said. Yes. As a writer, I hate everything Dave said. Dave said. <laughs> sure. No, <laughs> no, not not everything. No, it but is. but it's because here's the thing. I think there are too many books. I think it is a weakness of Christian publishing to write books for specific people instead of writing books that are well written on a pertinent idea. Sure. When when you start to think audience, you move away from idea. Yes. Because you start to get into application. You start to get into like, this is a book for young moms. This is a book for, you know, middle-aged professionals. And you're like, yeah. that that doesn't have anything to do with the truth of an idea. Right. Now, I'll say this. That's, uh, um, yeah, yeah, the tension is absolutely right. Um, your agent, if you have an agent, that person can be that voice. It can also be trusted friends, whatever that may be. The point is someone who can just look at him and say, writer slash friend write the book you want this to be forget about that person for a second it's kind of like i remember uh like stephen king's on writing i don't remember if he writes to a particular person i can't remember but every author has their own version of that do they write to that one person or is it just i don't think of anyone i just i just write Mm -hmm. None, none of them are wrong it's just a matter of what works for them to be able to craft whatever story that is but um i am a firm believer call it the oprah talk or not but yeah just like let the book be what it's supposed to be. Don't worry about about crafting this big marketing thing for it. But you've got to acknowledge at some point you do have to talk about that. So, sure. Well, uh, but I think if, if you write a book well, mm-hmm. you can you can figure out who it's for. Yeah. You know, like after the fact, you can look at it and you can say. This is a book that would interest this kind of person. So then it becomes that that's where titling comes in. That's where the marketing mm-hmm. plan comes in. That's where even how you share it on social media comes in. Where, what is your hook when you do all of your uh, every author is asked to do a thousand pieces of marketing content, you know, so blog posts and interviews and podcasts like who are you addressing those to? How are you positioning those to introduce it? But that's that's a communication about the book, not the book itself. So I think in writing a book, mm-hmm. uh, it does not benefit me to think of an audience. Now, sometimes there are particular parts that I'm like, who is this trying to help? Or what problem is this trying to solve? Or what question is this trying to answer? And then I think of sometimes like a particular instance or person will come to mind. Like, oh, this is like the, a conversation yeah. with this person or about this thing. Right. But I just... I think too many books in the Christian world are boiled down to how-tos and mm-hmm. and practical application without enough sort of substantial engagement of big true ideas, but big true ideas are not niche market books. Right. It's just it is a publisher likes it when you have a book that you're like this is a book on this topic for this group of people because they're like you just wrote my marketing plan for me. Whereas if you come in, you're like, here's a big question I'm trying to answer. The publisher's like, I don't really know how to position this. Well, quit being lazy, publishers. And I'm speaking yeah. to us. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm in yeah. that. And and yeah. we need to do a better job with that if we think something is compelling. Well, mm. it's kind of that whole thing, you know, whenever a book gets rejected, they'll say, yeah, there just really is an audience for that. I'm like, well, I'm sure name any successful book that came out of, came out of nowhere. Right. Like, yeah, there was that same conversation that happened, but somebody took a chance on that because that, you know what? Let's help find that audience well, where I mean, it think, is. Think right. about some you of the can't most, do it every day. Think no, about some of the most seminal Christian books of the last 30 to 40 years. Yeah. They couldn't get published okay. today. Yeah. J.I. Packer's Knowing God would get rejected by every publisher today. Mm-hmm. It just would because it's not about anything. 
Mm-hmm. It's about God. It's a book about God for humans. Mm-hmm. Like, good luck with that. Desiring God, same thing. Mm-hmm. That that one wouldn't. Um, yeah. You know, that it, mm-hmm. it, it was like purpose-driven life was sort of when that shifted. And now it's like these are these are to-do books yeah. instead yeah. of to-think-about books. Books that are to think about, unless it's a devotional, good luck um, with that. Right. And, even, um, and then if it's a devotional, it's probably not going to sell. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, it's Jesus calling or something. Like right, that. but I know. No, I'm, I'm really not. glad you brought that up because think about some of the books that have impacted us personally over the years. It's not the ones that are the how-tos. It's absolutely the most thoughtful right, right. Christian books. And that even it doesn't matter if they're from a hundred years ago or, I, or five minutes ago. I remember no yeah. how-to books. Yeah. Yeah. Even so, so yeah. even a book like so, there's a book called "When Helping Hurts" by mm-hmm. Brian yeah. Fickard and Steve yeah. Corbett. Yeah, uh, it's about a poverty alleviation. What stands out about that book is not that they give eight chapters on how to. In fact, one of the criticisms of that book is that it's not practical enough. Yeah. Now, they've yes. created a wealth of resources yeah. surrounding it to they help answer. with that. So small group guides and short-term missions guides and all that stuff. And that's good. I yeah. love that they did that because yeah, that's a sure. great extension. But, but that book, the first four chapters, it's a paradigm formation of understanding what is poverty in a spiritual sense, a physical mm-hmm. sense, a financial mm-hmm. sense, a cultural sense. And it's it will – I remember that because it it was a think about thing, yeah. not a to do thing. Whereas another book like say, I don't know, Toxic Charity by Robert Lupton, same yeah. subject, I don't remember because it was a bunch of things about here are examples of how to do this and I'm like I, I don't know, nothing sticks. Mm. So there mm. the books that stick are the ones that change your mind. To do yeah. books don't change your mind. Yeah. Typically not, no. Um, and I mean thinking about that I think one of the things that is really helpful for me and has been really helpful for me as I, anytime I think about what am I going to write, it's what is interesting to me? What do I need right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Because that just helps whatever I'm writing be more honest. So when I did Awaiting a Savior, it was because I was working at a poverty alleviation organization, right. listening to all of the nonsense that's in that space. Um, about how we can be, you know, how with our grit and grit and whatever um, can be the generation that ends extreme global poverty forever. Um, And it's just an uncompelling vision when you look at the reality. Um, Even though you see massive progress in certain areas, you see massive decline in others. Um, So how do you think about that biblically? What do I want to teach my kids about that? Um, How do do I stay sane in this place and process all of these things? That's why I wrote that book. Um, And so that was good for me. And the complaint that I got was similar to, to Fickert's. Um, which, which was, there's not enough practical application. Yeah, I mean, the moment you write about poverty alleviation, somebody's like, yeah, but should I give money to the homeless person? And I'm like, I don't yeah. care. You missed the point. You missed yeah. you missed right. all the points, actually. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's a valid question, but also if you're asking, it's probably an indication that your heart is not in the most compassionate place possible. Correct. Because mm-hmm. the answer, folks, is yes, give money to homeless people. Right, and also the- Because the, it doesn't hurt you and it might help them. Sure. <laughs> And who cares if and and like, but they might use it for booze. Guess what? They're gonna find booze anyway. But they might also need lunch and a toothbrush or whatever. Like help help a brother out. Yeah, I get real annoyed when people talk themselves sure. out of giving money. That's sure. stupid. But that wasn't the point of this podcast. No, no. But uh, but yeah. But I mean, so with this other one that I'm working on, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It's really mm-hmm. more about what do I wish I had known? You know, coming up on 15 years ago now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like I was a brand new adult believer with no church background. Mm-hmm. 
um, with the great big now what question. Yeah. No yeah. freaking clue what mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and that mm-hmm. is really helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. I think so the, the book that I'm working on right now is a book about happiness and expectations. And the whole premise of it came out of my observations of my own life and other people's lives. So similar to what you're talking about, Aaron, where it is a nagging question that I see needing to be answered. And I don't sit here and go, I have all the answers. But I go, well, what is the answer? Like, does scripture have anything to say? And so, you know, going to like Ecclesiastes is sort of my starting point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the question of like people are perpetually disappointed in everything. You get a new job and it will disappoint you. You get married and it will disappoint you. Even if you have a 50-year happy marriage, there is a wealth of disappointment in that. A lot of marriages are are less happy than that. Uh, New job. You might be there for 20 years and get six promotions and take care Mm -hmm. of your family really well. There will be disappointments. Everything Mm -hmm. is a disappointment in some capacity. So weighing that and and just different aspects, but that's a question that I had because I looked at my own life and I was like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. I, I continually get frustrated because my expectations are out of whack yeah. on right. things. And so but similar to what you're describing, you sort of look back at the past and, and it becomes it becomes a concept. Right. I, I do want to say, I realized I came off very strong as I am prone to do on books that are how-to books. Mm-hmm. Those are valuable books. Mm-hmm. There's just too many of them. So, mm-hmm. like, the world needs books on marriage. It needs books on money. It yeah. needs books on parenting. It needs books on on discipleship and spiritual disciplines and how to help poor people and mm-hmm. how to do different things in church. The how-to books are really valuable. Most people lack self and market awareness when they write those, though. Yes. And they don't realize they're writing the exact same stinking book that somebody wrote a year prior. Right. And that's that's an important thing. And I mean, that's something that um, the first time I went through the, the proposal process, there is a, a section that I keep in my template, which is, you know, books that are similar, that might be similar on the market. Yeah. That is an undervalued piece because it, it does a couple of things. One, it forces you to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it so it creates humility, or it forces you to be delusional, which comes through fairly which is clearly. The, which is the scary part. Yes, um, you know, it's just like when an, when an editor asks you, you know, who would you say you're kind of like as an author? Like, who? Yeah, and mix it's of like, G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis and Donald Miller, right. And Tim Keller, right? And it's like I don't know. I'm like me, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but the. The thing that I, they appreciate about that section is that I think um, up-and-coming writers or des- people who desire to to be a, a published author, um, they they need to recognize that if a if a publisher has a book either in the rost like either coming up or has already published something in the last five years. They're probably not gonna. They're probably not gonna be able to look at that book that you want to write for at least that, another five. That time frame is shortening. It used to be five. Okay. It's probably more like two now. Okay. Like mm-hmm. you can put publishers can put out marriage books every two years. Right. Money books is probably more like five. Okay. And Dave Ramsey owns that market right now. So sure. good luck getting something on personal finance out there while Financial Peace University exists. Mm-hmm. Um, 
parenting books is probably more like two years plus parenting you can go different things you're like but this is for parents of young children this is for parents of teens this is gospel-centered parenting this is yeah, behavior modification right. parenting you know whatever <laughs> this is dealing with it this is dealing I with a rebellious kid this is dealing with a, a an achiever kid like yeah. you can yeah. spin that any which way yeah. but right. i think the thing so I, I had a conversation uh when, when we were at the gospel coalition with a guy he's a pastor who he has a really interesting story. So he was he was converted to Christianity out of Islam, and has been a you know faithful pastor for a number of years. Really well respected guy, and he he's like I I keep kind of getting asked to write a book, and I kind of want to, but he very self deprecatingly was he's we're standing in the middle of the bookstore, so there's just tables upon tables of books. He looks around, he's like, who needs my book? Look at all yeah. this. There are thousands of great books, and that bookstore is pretty well curated to be mm-hmm. a lot of really good books. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, why do you preach every Sunday? Who needs your sermons? Like if you stand up on a Sunday morning and you believe that God gave you a voice and a message from his word to speak, like you do that every week, which inclines me to believe that people need something new on an ongoing basis to mm-hmm. understand God. There's an element of that in book writing as well. And so if you have to have the mindset of this is a contribution in a specific voice and place and way, not the world changing, you know, this is the final word on subject X. You know, the book that I write on happiness or expectations or that Aaron writes on, you know, sort of foundations of the faith, neither of us are writing remotely close to the final word. We're writing our best contribution to an idea, a subject, something that people need An ongoing conversation. And something that somebody will probably need to write another book on in three or five or ten years because ours will be long forgotten. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, that's a really helpful thing to remember for sure. All right, guys, we're uh, we're running close for time. So, Dave, um, here's what I want. Can you give us basically your three best pieces of best brief pieces of advice? All right, I'll sum up some of the things I've said that I think are most helpful. Um, and we just had a long conversation. I'm like, yeah, absolutely write the book that you want to write. Don't worry too much about the audience. That being said, you're eventually going to have to deal with that and wrestle with that. Just don't do it at, at, the, at your first shot. Let your first shot be what the book is you want it to be. Yep. It's not a good structure of a sentence. But, okay. uh, but yeah, start there. Um, I would say uh, there's lots of practical things. You can find book proposals everywhere, by the way, and they're going to have all sorts of things about, yeah, here's your target market and here are the marketing things, points that you bring to the table. I'm not going to go into that. I would say after you've written your first draft of it, have a trusted friend who knows you best, and that could be the agent, that could be someone who works in publishing, that could be someone you just, your pastor, that could be someone who knows you. That's what matters most. And is it an accurate reflection of you? That's especially true for first-time authors. Yes. If, you're, if you have yes. done this enough, you might not need that step. But if you are getting into this and there's a level True. of like, ah, it's kind of exploring this, that's a really valuable sure. thing to do. Um, yeah. I think your difference is absolutely when you get to a point, you're a successful author, whatever that means, um, <laughs> um, you clearly are going to have an agent you're working with as well and uh, or you're already just working with your publisher and they're going to mm-hmm. give you direct feedback. Hopefully you have a relationship to where you can have an open conversation. I certainly... 
I know. I know as much as we joke about John Grisham, I certainly hope there's a conversation where John's like, hey, here's my next book. I don't know we're going to joke about but ideally what should happen should be a response from the publisher saying here's what we like here's what we don't like here are suggestions any good writer should be able to accept that which makes a book better in other Mm -hmm. words it's never just you it takes a team to do that the ideas should always be you absolutely Mm -hmm. but um, that that should be a natural back and forth process and then the third thing is just uh, after having that trusted person review um Yeah, you have to ask yourself really what success is. What's that going to look like in the end? And so, yeah, if you're trying to platform build and do this and that, you certainly have to know what that audience is really going to do with your book to establish some real goals, meaning how many you're going to sell. Do you want speaking gigs at the end of this road? Do you want fill in the blank? Yeah, Um, I I will say this. If you are trying to use a book to get other things, A, you will probably write a stupid book. (laughs) And B, it it just you, the heart behind it will be less beneficial yeah. to people. So the book yeah. has to have merit on its own, so that whoever reads it, whether it's eleven people or you know one hundred and eleven thousand yeah. people, has they they benefit. That right. like, that has to be your aim as an author. If your aim yeah. is this is a springboard too, then that's the wrong reason. Then to write. it's not a good book. Yeah. yeah, it's just not. Yeah, um, so. And I'll add one other thing with mm-hmm. it. You know, uh, we, listen, majority of books out there uh, fail on a number standpoint, um, mm-hmm. meaning they're not making up money for the publisher to, you know, basically earn, earn back, earn the, back advance. the advance that yeah. you got. Um, and, and that's a harsh word. And that's why I also say that, listen, write the book the, that you want written and, and trust yeah. God that he's going to use it however you use it. And it may be one person and I, I know that again that gets back to very much like an Oprah-like message but it is absolutely true at the end of yeah. the day there's going to be someone it's, out there who's affected by this book I mean, it is, focus it is on a, that it's a profound thing though because so I've written three Aaron you've written how many now? four? four yeah four now yeah. okay so four and Five. with both of us with varying yeah, levels of sales yeah. success <laughs> you know neither of us neither of us are, are jumping into our Scrooge McDuck vat of yeah. money from our publishing experiences, but the the best things that happen, <laughs> yeah, the, the best things that happen on, are the interactions from readers. Yeah, yeah. So it's the especially when it's a few years post release. Yes. So like success has already been determined financially. This book has done what it is going to do pretty much. Yeah. But then somebody reads it and they say, "Hey, your book on X mm-hmm. really helped me. Help me understand this. Help me. So you know, my, my book on being a pastor's kid. Help me with the relationship with my dad. Help me understand my kids better. Help me deal with stuff from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, uh, those are absolutely more valuable to me than any dollars I got in the advance. Yeah, mm-hmm. which means that going f- that has changed my perspective going forward on publishing. Where yeah, money is nice. It's nice mm-hmm. to get an advance, but." I really want to write a book that has those interactions. That's yeah. success to me. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's success in the sense that I have 10,000 of those interactions, not 10 of those interactions. Mm-hmm. But I want it because the book then connects with readers, not because of the dollars associated. That, and, and I think, again, if you are using a book for something else beyond the message of the book, you're probably doing it badly. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's just... Yeah. I think that's almost quintessentially true for all creative endeavors. Yeah. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah. All right, guys, I think this uh, this is a good place for us to wrap up. We are short on time, and uh, some of us, namely me, have to go to a meeting. Mm. So um, we are going to actually forgo. Are we going to forgo our reading recommendation, or can you hit one real quick? Um, Any sucker punches, too? Um, not enough time. Not enough time to sucker punch somebody this week? Uh, I'll just go real quick. Bad proposals. Right. Let's just, let's just yeah. sucker punch those. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. <laughs> I can do it currently reading fast. Okay. Yeah. Good. Right. Uh, Good. I'm reading America and Americans by John Steinbeck. It's selections of his nonfiction sort of put together thematically. So whoever did the editing on it, I don't know. But they put it together sort of thematically as opposed to like chronologically. But it just it looks at his his life as a journalist and as an essayist. And it's uh, it's a whole different side to his writing from his novels. And just more proof that Steinbeck is brilliant and why I love him. Nice. I love it. Very cool. Um, this is this is a leader like book. It is called Leaders by Stanley McChrystal. I love Stanley McChrystal, um, General Stanley McChrystal, although he's retired now from the yep. military. But this one's all about it. The reason I picked this up is because a because it was a new book, but also he covers a lot of people, the myth and reality of leaders that are out there historically. So of course mm-hmm. that hits kind of all the things I enjoy. But you know, it's Walt Disney, Robespierre, even Al Zarqawi. Boss Tweed, Margaret Thatcher, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, and who else did I really, I really enjoy? Oh, there's random Chinese uh, shipmen back in the day. So cool. There you go. There you go. Cool. Uh, I am currently doing a little bit of show prep, and I am reading The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks. Ooh, that's a radio professional teaser right that there, ladies and gentlemen. That was pretty good. All right, but you guys will hear more about that on a future episode. Um, so, guys, thanks for hanging out. Listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, do check out our sponsor for this week, who we have terribly neglected through the content of this episode, uh, Gospel Centered Discipleship. Um, go to gcdiscipleship.com and uh, you can get 50% off of any ebook purchase by using the code MALCONTENT. Um, and uh, of course, leave your glowing five star rating and review on iTunes. That helps people find the show and um, tell all your friends about how great this, this podcast is. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an area code podcast.